beyond and hello everyone my name is jonathan dornbush and this is podcast beyond episode either 649 or 650 depending on when this releases compared to the other episode we're releasing this week it's a very busy week for playstation uh but this episode in particular whenever it does come out after the last of us part two review embargo is like I just sort of alluded to, entirely about The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, this is going to be spoiler-free beyond anything. We won't talk about anything that is not allowed to be discussed in our review. Um, so anything that hasn't been shown in gameplay or state of plays or previews beforehand, we won't talk about things beyond that. But if you are trying to stay completely spoiler-free, you don't want to know a single thing about this game before jumping in, probably best to save this until after you play the game. Uh, but so we are going to talk about it and my review as well. But before we jump into that, I'm joined this week by Mark Medina. Hello. Hey, Mark. Good to see you. You too, buddy. We're also joined by Janet Garcia. What's up? I am so excited to do this episode. It's going to be a fun one. And we're also joined all the way from the evening times. We're, we're <laughs> recording in SF uh, in the early mid-afternoon. And Simon Cardi from the IGN UK team is yes. joining us as well. Hello. Do you have evenings over there? Or? We don't. No. No. Really? No. Wow. Yeah. It never since, gets dark. Not oh. since the incident. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't talk about that. Yeah, it was very strange to see there be nighttime sections of this game, since that's not a thing we have here. Yeah. Um, I don't think that breaks any spoilers that there is nighttime in this game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we are going to talk about, thank you, I'm, I'm getting my coffee from my girlfriend. Uh, this is wonderful service during the show. We're going to be talking about The Last of Us Part Two, all of our feelings on it. We've all played it. Uh, the four of us have beaten it. Uh, if you're wondering where Max, Brian, and Lucy are, they, they're they busy and they're also, you know, starting to play through it themselves. So it's going to be a little while, but we'll make sure to get all their thoughts on future episodes. But uh, we have all beaten it. I have reviewed it. If you haven't seen my review on IGN or YouTube.com slash IGN, please go check it out. Uh, I wrote a lot of words because I really love this game. I gave it a 10, called it a masterpiece. Um, this is my second PS4 10 to give out uh, alongside Ooh. God of War. So um, I loved it. Uh, the first game is one of my favorite games of all time to just give a little bit of background. And I do want to get sort of where everyone's coming from on the first game before we jump in on thoughts on the sequel. But uh, I love the first game, played it when it first came out. One of my favorite games of that generation, one of my favorite stories in gaming ever. Um, and so it was really exciting and a little scary to see what they were going to do with the sequel. But uh, clearly I thought they pulled it off pretty well. Uh, Simon, where were you coming from from the first game to here? I love the first game. It, Like you said, it's one of the best stories in a game. For me, the original is also a 10, and I think this one for me as well is a 10. I think somehow they've managed to surpass it in almost every single way. And yeah, just unbelievable work. Janet, what about you? Uh, I actually barely played the first game a few months ago, uh, but I, I loved it pretty much instantly. Well, instantly I was drawn to it. I thought it was a you know, kind of polished up some of the gameplay elements and story elements that Uncharted kind of carries. The gameplay felt very similar, having also recently played some of the Uncharted games. Um, but once I got deeper in, I think it was th when I knew it was special was when it had that scene where you were upside down because uh, the fridge was counter like counter holding you and you had to shoot from upside down. And I'm like, oh, OK, this is different. This isn't just going to be, you know, your standard action adventure. I love the way it weaves story in uh, so seamlessly. So I was, I got from that point on, I was more and more drawn into it. Uh, it definitely is also one of my favorite games. I have some prints behind me and uh, this one is a Last of Us mm -hmm. print. It's a little bit subtle, 
it's not like crazy full of clickers, but if you look really closely, <laughs> which it's far away now, um, it has like silhouettes of Joel and Ellie and some clickers underneath and kind of has this like Stranger Things type aesthetic to it. Yeah, I, I absolutely adored it. Uh, and that's that's basically where I'm coming from. And I also felt like it was a 10. And I, that was me playing in the modern era, which I wasn't sure how it would hold up. I definitely would say that if you're, you know, wondering about, oh, should I play Last of Us 2? Maybe I should go to, go to one first. I would definitely do that. I think it still holds up as a great game. And Mark, what about you? I I have a really funny story about The Last of Us with me. Um, I, I've told this story on podcast before, but uh, I am a big Ellen Page fan. And so back in 2013, I really wanted to play the Ellen Page game. And I thought that that game was The Last of Us. And so I borrowed my friend's PS3 because I didn't even have a PS3. And I was like, yes, I can't wait to play The Last of Us with Ellen Page. Got about halfway through the game before I realized that I had the wrong game. Uh, but it didn't matter because that game is incredible. Uh, and uh, Beyond Two Souls is also an incredible game. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, it, The Last of Us is also weird because I pretty much haven't played it since that first time I played it. I never played the remaster. Uh, I had to go back and watch a few uh, recaps before Last of Us 2. Um, I, I, I'm surprised at how much I remembered. I watched the recap and I was like, oh, I don't think I actually needed this. Uh, the game is like, weirdly simplistic in its story but that doesn't make it any less good really great game yeah the the original does a really great job of presenting something that's seemingly simple and uh, we can mm -hmm. get into how part two part two kind of does the same thing at first uh but then really digs deep into these characters and their story and i think really goes some great places and is why we were also curious what they were going to do with part two uh yeah i will say as uh janet uh was also saying go definitely play part one if you haven't uh, before this, if you have played part one, if you feel like you want the refresher, go back. I would say part two does a pretty good job of like kicking in that memory of maybe mm -hmm. the like important pieces you may have forgotten. Um, it does also introduce so much new to it that I don't think you'll be too lost uh, if you haven't played part one in a while. Yeah. Or there is a full Let's Play of The Last of Us on IGN.com <laughs> with me and <laughs> Joe Scrabbles from the IGN office, IGN he UK was... office even. He, he only it played time. it for the first time, yeah, uh, late last year. So we did a little series of us playing it. So nice. well, need a refresher? Go there. We we made sure not to have him on the show specifically. So in case you guys can do a sequel series, he can uh, just film his reactions. <laughs> I yeah, that might be a struggle. So we actually <laughs> yeah. that's a series we're doing where we playing games we should have played i think your bloodborne one is a similar thing that you're yep. eventually going to release uh one day. and we were i'd never played half-life 2 before up until a few months ago and we got it all recorded and then on the last day before lockdown we couldn't shoot so i still haven't played the last two hours of half-life 2 three months <laughs> oh later oh my god <laughs> all right i'll tell you how it ends right now <laughs> that's not what this is about we're not gonna no, spoil that we'll game. get there and we're, we're really going to bring up other games on this. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to spoil every other game, but The Last of Us Part <laughs> Two here. Um, but no, I do want to jump in. I think there are a lot of good touching points, um, t touching off points that we can go to from there. But I do want to start with, I think, one of the things we can probably discuss the most. Um, and this goes a little bit back to, Simon, what you're talking about of this sort of one-upping the entire, the original game in almost every facet. And I wanted to start off talking about the gameplay specifically, because I do think one of the things that a lot of people say about the first game is it's a really, really great story and the gameplay is there. Uh, for a lot of people, it's like the, the gunplay is maybe fine. The puzzles are a bit repetitive. Uh, you have to find a pallet for Ellie because she can't swim every 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> there, are, 
there are gameplay bits of that game that is much as we all love that game, I think have not stood the test of time for some people. Um, I think that they have really taken, you know, careful study of every bit of the original and improved it here uh, in combat, in exploration, in puzzle design. Uh, how, have you, how have you guys felt about that stuff? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that stood out in playing part two, especially after recently playing part one, is I think one of the most simplistic parts of the original game and kind of downsides of the original game is how easy it is to get away with being janky and random. Like just kind of, there were so many moments in Last of Us, uh, the first game where I would try my stealth and then my cover would be blown and I would just start running just punching people just like aimlessly and and it was it was a a really awkward sharp contrast between that and the story it was trying to tell because the story it was telling was one of seriousness and darkness and you know you're reading people's letters to their children in decrepit bedrooms and at the same time i'm like you know just knocking people down (laughs) and uh i mean i had fun with that but it didn't feel like something that was you know meant to be that way and just kind of ended up being that way versus playing part two um, I don't think there was one moment where uh, I could get through an encounter and kind of be laughing about it. Like, huh, I just, you know, br- you know, swinging people with, with bats and stuff. Or is there melee still there? And are you capable of doing it? Absolutely. I heavily lean into melee when I when all else fails. But you can't get away with that the whole way through. Like, you cannot just punch your way through a field of people. Um, you're not going to get out alive because the AI has become a lot more advanced. So right off the bat, I think that's one of the biggest things that stuck out to me that I really was forced to experiment and enjoy all of the mechanics that they laid out rather than in the first game, I could kind of get away with just cheesing my way through. Mm. Yeah. So, I remember in the, certain, mm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Simon. No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. That's what stuck out to me most is the AI this time. They're just so much more intelligent. Like mm-hmm. I think it's been said a lot before, but even when you think you're hidden, they will find you. There really isn't mm-hmm. a safe space in any area they'll look under cars they'll look around every corner and then when you're in a fight it is it surprised me how easy it is maybe to get back into cover i think you can get back into stealth quite easily mm. but also they are very accurate like if you get shot with a bullet you're going down and it only takes a few bullets to get you even i played it on normal difficulty mm. and at times yeah i found the human interactions much more deadly than in the first game whereas in the first game i thought the infected sections were a lot more difficult but yeah this time round it was the humans that gave me a lot more problem maybe because they're more military trained this time than the enemies in the first game yeah there's mm-hmm. we we can say there are a, a few different factions that you face in this game and it's um especially in seattle it's the washington liberation front who use more firepower and guns and they're a bit more talkative to each other and then the seraphites who more usually rely on bow and arrow and are whistling Mm -hmm. to each other to kind of judge their cover um but i I did want to quickly just mention simon yeah the i had the first time an enemy pulled me from out of a car like underneath a car i remembered it from the e3 demo a few years ago and was like oh that's a beautiful cutscene that i'm sure happens in like three spots but no they can just do that and it's like Mm -hmm totally throws you off your uh, feet and kind of knocks you back and you're like oh i really do need to keep up with this ai but yeah mark how did you feel about it oh i was just gonna say like i think it's the i i think it is the fact that the humans do a really good job at calling out to each other um like the whistling and stuff like that it's it's very eerie and it and it like kind of throws you off and it's it's kind of creepy to be honest but uh I, i think it's the fact that it's like you try to kill a guy and if you 
kill him while he's talking, they immediately know, hey, that's not how you end a sentence. There's probably somebody here. Um, and then they'll, uh, the, you know, even if you do get back into stealth, they'll be like, he was, or she was over here. And so like, you know, they, they just coordinate better where in the first game they were all hunters. And so it was more just like people that are are just kind of like, kind of like walking dead style. They just still exist. So that, that coordination's not there. So I like that the story was able to kind of intertwine why the humans are, are way more dangerous this time around. Yeah, all of it feels really um, born from the story choices and the character choices they make. Like, everything is definitely part of this cohesive whole. Um, Mm -hmm. I did want to touch on the infected, because this is something that you and I, Simon, have talked about, and I'm curious uh, to hear more from you and Jenna and Mark. Um, I think, uh, you know, the the normal infected types that we know, the runners uh, come back and the clickers... Uh, the stalkers are much more prevalent. They were in the game, but uh, the first game, but just once or twice. And here they are much more prevalent and way more scary, in my opinion. And then, of course, you have the Shambler, who is a bit more tanky uh, and moves around a lot. I think the the best use of the Infected is when there's like combinations of them and when you're not sure mm-hmm. if a Shambler is obscuring a couple clickers from your view. Uh, if, you know, a stalker is hiding out of sight and there's three more secretly around. How did, how did you guys feel about the integration of the infected this time i the stalkers for me yeah they were the when i say worst part of the game i don't mean bad part of the game but they were the most horrific part of the game for me because that's when it <laughs> turned into full-on horror like i feel like in this one there's a lot more sections that everyone talks about the hotel basement from the first game is a quite scary section of that game and it feels quite resident evil like i feel like you've got a lot more of those this time around and then they normally involve the stalkers because you just don't see or hear them coming. And normally it's too late unless you have something ready to kill them with. But uh, yeah, I did not like those guys at all. The Chamblers, <laughs> I didn't find too bad. You could you could kill them surprising. Like they're nowhere near as tough as a bloater. But the pus that they just, just comes out of them is just horrible. And like you said, if it masks a clicker running towards you, and that's when it becomes dangerous on their own. They're not too bad, I think. Yeah. Uh, which what is the one that does the poison? Is that the shambler or shambler, whatever? Shambler, yeah. Yeah. The, those are the ones that I like hated the most, only because you know Ellie has a, a dodge button in this game, and uh, I would I would be like dodging around, and th- those are the only times that I would feel like a desperation, like I'm like actually stuck somewhere because I've had them charge me and kind of like lock me in a room and usually her dodge can kind of get you out of most situations um if you just panically start pressing it and try to get away uh but those things can kind of pin you up against a wall or pin you like if they're in a doorway you you know those invincible frames don't really exist and so you're trying to like dodge out of it and it does a poison cloud those are the only ones that i was like i really hate those things uh but yeah also the stalkers just you know uh I'm going to get all like weird, but mouse and keyboard shooter over here. So to try to like get those guys when they're like darting around on a PS4 controller, it's tough. (laughs) My main tactic with those guys in the end was just sprint through any section with them and get to a door. I just didn't (laughs) let them hunt me. If they can't see me, I can't see them. And that what if there's a collectible in that room? Like you gotta look. I'm like, you have to. I have to kill everything, <laughs> and I have to that, look over. Those are the days that I really am not jealous that you have to do guides. <laughs> <laughs> I think when people really reflect, most of the days are days they're not jealous. I have to do guides, but um, yeah, I, I just to kind of echo what 
has already sort of been said. I, I love the stalkers and it was like a love hate because they were really well designed and horrifying, but it was also just made for really stressful times. Something I really appreciated in this game, um, once again, more so than the first, was there were several enemy areas that felt like they had puzzle elements through the combat. And when I say that, I mean, it wasn't like a puzzle like, oh, I have to solve a riddle or open a door, but it you kind of had these areas to navigate. And I know, Jonathan, you touched on this in your review where you sort of need to decide, okay, how am I going to utilize this space and my tools and my items and make my way through this as efficiently as I can. And uh, with the stalkers, like my method was always just to get a silencer on my gun and shoot quickly. And what's what's fun and how difficult about the stalkers is when you do see them, they move rather quick uh, and they move on all fours. So it, you know, I don't know how you guys play, but so often I'm trying to, you know, save my ammo. So I'm like, okay, let's get these headshots. Let's like make sure that a runner can take three or four bullets if you're not shooting well, or one, it just depends. So you're trying to be careful, but then if you don't shoot them immediately, they're gone. You don't know when you'll see them again. Oh, wait, it's behind you. And now, and then when you hear the scream, then like clickers will run towards you. Same thing with your bullets. So you can't just shoot them because you'll alert other enemies. Um, and I liked having to figure out those situations. And I love how the combinations of infected often lent themselves to that type of problem solving. Uh, I also agree with the Shamblers. Not not too difficult on their own, but when you start to get back into a corner, or I've had moments where there's one Shambler, but oh wait, actually there's two in this room, and now I like <laughs> don't, didn't notice the other one. Um, and I liked those moments because it forced me to really use my arsenal and you know not hoard my stuff and be like, okay, now's the time to put a trap mine down. Now's the time to do these other things. Um, yeah, and I think that they, they felt a lot more pronounced and horrifying in this game than. In any other, in in the previous one, there were so many moments of this game too that I was literally horrified. I I spent part of this game like, and this is because I'm like a chicken, like I'm not a horror person. So if you're like a scared punk like me, like this is this content is for you. I literally had moments where I'm like, I'm gonna talk out loud. I'm gonna put on a pop song in the background because I can't <laughs> handle the pressure of it. Um, but I really appreciate that design element still. Um, and it was just scary enough to like. Be scary if you're kind of a scared person, but not so scary that it was like a straight up horror film. And I really like that balance. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely worth mentioning. I, not only the horror intention, and I said this in my review, but there's, as Simon was saying, like Resident Evil level, like best of horror moments that are like totally anxiety inducing. But yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning. And I do mention in the review since the first game is so well known for it. Like the violence in this game is brutal. Like it is some mm -hmm. of the most brutal combat I've seen ever. It's and it's it's played straight because this is a brutal, tough, awful world. And, you know, obviously, given the state of the world right now and um, dealing with the issues of brutality and everything like I it, it can be hard to stomach some of that um, in a video game where you're actively choosing to engage in it. Um, you can stealth your way out of most situations, I would say, um, like mm -hmm. it is possible. But I, I don't think there was ever an encounter where I didn't accidentally get caught or have to kill one or two people or a dog uh which you know adds another layer of i don't want to have to do this but i have to and it like it, it does a really great job of putting you in the mindset of its characters but i don't i don't know how you guys felt but like mm. it definitely <laughs> is not something to it, it, like it's it's occasionally hard to stomach sometimes just because of how brutal it can be yeah i mean at its core it is definitely a stealth game more so than the first game because i think ellie you have to play much more stealthily than joel played in the first game but um yeah it is it is maybe the most violent game i've ever played but it never <laughs> it never did so casually yeah <laughs> it never did stretch into 
being gratuitous to me at really any point. Like it is all necessary. Like arguably sure. the main theme of the game is violence. And mm-hmm. like you kind of, it wants you to engage in that in order to be in Ellie's shoes basically. Yeah. I, I played uh, most combat scenarios. It's, it's funny. I sent a bunch of my footage to uh, uh, one of our video editors and he told me, he's like, you're a really stealthy boy. And I'm like, that's, that's weird to hear because I play every stealth game the same, and this game was no different, which is I stealth around, I be super sneaky, I stab guys, I pull them into the grass, someone eventually sees me. (laughs) That's just how every encounter played out. Uh, Yeah, but no, I love the stealth in the game, but also the stealth is probably one of the the goriest parts of the game, like because you don't see the people you know when you're shooting them it's not in your face where they they did something i don't know about you guys but i i kept getting this inclination to like turn my camera around because they just like did something with the facial features and she'll be like she's like whispering in their ear and she's just like and looks all super (laughs) brutal and i was like jesus sometimes she's like "Ugh, why did like why am i doing this like oh god like it didn't have to go this way sort of thing and there was one of the I, I think it's really exemplified for people who, you know, haven't been playing yet. The uh, one of the Inside the Last of Us videos, they talk about they did a lot of facial feature animation work. And so, like, you can see their face going red. You can see veins popping up when they're getting super tense. Like, they have done a lot to really convey all of that stuff. And they, they use all of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you're when you're playing the game, if you're doing stealth kills, make sure to turn your camera and look at it. That, that was for the audience. Or We've all beat if, it. If you're kind of, you know, quite safe <laughs> or in your if own you're mind. squeamish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I uh, think, Janet, yeah, because when Sorry, they... go ahead, Janet. Oh, oh Cardi, finish your thought first. Okay. Yeah. Um, when they first showed the gameplay off, I think it was at E3 2018, the section where Ellie is going through the grassy section against some of the mm-hmm. seraphites, and there was that fight with the guy with the big pickaxe. I think a lot of people, mm-hmm. like me at the time, was like, I can't believe like the faces are going to look that good all the time. Like I think that was like part cutscene, but it turns out no, it is. And who knew mm-hmm. Naughty Dog can make good games? So well done to them. <laughs> we we had shocked. no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah, I know. We I've, didn't have the technology. We finally um, know. Yes. Um. Yeah. Like the the photo mode gets really brutal if you like. I took a few pictures in photo mode because I try to get some good stuff for the blog roll to like inevitably promote the guide. Um. And I was like. Uh, yeah, I can't use this on the site because it's just so graphic looking. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think to me, the goriest thing is actually the death animations. So I would say the, the better you are at playing, the less gross the game is <laughs> because mm-hmm. like the death animations were very Tomb Raider, like modern Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I thought it was, um, it was appropriate given the context, but it was kind of extra. And I'm not really a big fan of very gory death animations. They just kind of like don't sit with me right i'm like did it really need to be like okay but did the, did the dog need to tear her face off like did it have to go that deep did it have to go that deep i don't know but um yeah yeah they definitely played it up i like um what i think you guys might have talked about it on earlier episodes of beyond but it, it also just kind of a result of the technology getting better like i think naughty dog probably wanted to kind of convey this sort of stuff earlier but maybe technologically it wasn't able to capture quite how gruesome it is because that game get more realistic the violence level is kind of the same but now it looks crazier just because like the technology has advanced so i feel like that kind of was the case with this it it definitely was gory but i think it was gory for good reasons especially narratively like i said i think the death animations are the most like did it need to be that deep i don't i don't necessarily think so but 
I do think like the gruesomeness of some of those like scenes leading into cutscenes really made me feel just like the death and destruction and the hatred that which are big motifs that just kind of run through the game. And um, I think they helped carry the the emotional weight. And when you kind of see, you know, moments like where and I'm kind of just making this up, I don't have a specific scene in mind. But like Ellie covered in like dirt and blood and and it's, and it's just like you can tell that like some messed up stuff just went down. It just kind of mm. really carries that versus if you had something less um, thoroughly animated, it'd be kind of like, oh, it's kind of weird how, you know, you just do this gruesome murder and then you're just like, tra la la. So I think I think it was mostly purposeful, sometimes a little over the top. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that on the for the most part, it it is of a piece with the story and the world they're trying to build. And this is uh, this is something we can say like it takes place roughly four years after the first and you know so this world has continued to devolve and some people have started to try to reform societies with the wlf or the seraphites like people have their groups and their uh communities but this world is no less brutal and violent like the world hasn't been getting much better it seems in those four Mm -hmm. years and so i i think it does really fit super well with what they're trying to convey and so we can go a little bit into that and again we are going to say as spoiler-free as possible, um, there's stuff we just can't even say, so we're not going to address that stuff until we do a spoiler cast after. But um, let's start off with talking, I think, a little bit about Ellie, uh, because obviously she is the protagonist this time around. You're playing as her. Um, and as- aside from the gameplay additions that I do think make a stark contrast with her and Joel, um, th- they just do so much great work in this game to show you every facet of her um, not just as the kid who went through everything she went through in the first game, but as a teenager who is going through so many different facets of their life while also going through it in a post-apocalypse and dealing with so many facets of life I couldn't even think of. Um, Simon, how did you feel about Ellie's portrayal and journey in this game? I thought she was absolutely incredible. I think Ashley Johnson has done an incredible job again. And yeah, I thought, yeah, her arc is just... I think a lot of people, when they finish the first Last of Us, is like, I'm happy for that to end there. That is a great story. But they've found a story worth telling with Ellie. And yeah, her arc is up there with any video game character I can think of right now, to be honest, off the top of my head. And yeah, just the journey. I'm trying not to spoil anything. It's so hard. (laughs) I can... I'm laughing also because just Mark did Mark just drink. I, a Capri I was Sun trying right to, I was trying to, I was trying to sneak a drink of this Capri Sun, <laughs> and our producer. I'm just listening to Simon be like, it was yeah. honestly one of the most moving, you know, powerful. And then Mark's just like a straight up juice box on the side. <laughs> Is that so apple and apple and raspberry or no. uh, <laughs> Pacific cooler? Oh, you know, okay. oh, we don't we don't oh, have that. Um, right. uh, we don't have that yet. <laughs> What we do have, though, is really heartfelt character <laughs> arcs. And, um, <laughs> it's a great um, save. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think Ellie's journey in this game is just, it's a story worth telling and it's one that they've done even better than the first game. And yeah. Yeah, Janet, that- having sort of recently come off of the first game, how did you feel about uh Ellie's journey in this game because that that original ending is like Simon was saying for a lot of people who especially played back then it was like well that is this world that is the end of it that's a perfect ending I don't need any more yeah I definitely was of of that camp too even though I had just played it and like I knew the sequel was going to come out but then as I I think what really got me excited was seeing one of the most recent behind the scenes uh presentations the one where they had the long um gameplay scene with you know the girl Vita right is how we know it as 
um, that really made it, made me start to buy into like, okay, I think they, I think they might have something here that, that can be worth it. And I absolutely loved um, her arc in this game. I like that, especially as an adult, she's far more dynamic. Um, I think in Last of Us 1, I can't imagine anyone really ever having a problem with Ellie or being like, she's, you know, maybe, maybe you think she's annoying and that's the only thing I can think of, but she's a kid, you know, she's kind of along for the ride. And um, with her, her place in this game, she's a lot more of the focal point, like even just in the marketing of it. So you get to see, and she's older. She's like, I think she's, is she 19? 19, yes. 20, yeah. 19. Um, so she's an adult. And you kind of, with that comes, you know, a more dynamic character. There are times that maybe you don't agree with the choice she's making, but you're, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta play the game. So you're still just going along for the ride and seeing what's going on. Um, I also really loved how, as much as she kind of feels like a different person in the sense that she's, a, you know, who we're not like how we were as kids, right? That's kind of a common sense thing, but there are little like hints of who she was as a child and who you got to know in that first game that are done really subtly um, and, and really beautifully. Like her corny jokes are still like to some degree weaving into her, her personality. Um, I also really love how, because there's a lot more going on with this game in terms of just there being more NPCs and just characters and factions around, you see more of other people's experiences in this world before it was very like isolated. It was like Joel and Ellie against the world. Um, but, and this is like not embargo breaking spoilers, but like a very like tiny like shell of something uh, she was talking to one character about like hey what was your experience with um you know like when's the first time you've killed someone and it's like stuff like realizing that other people have the trauma that ellie has and are just around her casually at the at the market is is really eye-opening and and crushing um i i don't know if i've ever loved a character as much as ellie uh thinking about just who she is and what she's been through across both of the games like just it just moves me so so incredibly much. Like it's the the writing is just so good across both the games. Uh, you really feel for the characters, and I just think it's it's absolutely brilliant. And I I love both Ellie from the first game and Ellie for the second game, but for very different reasons. Um, but for reasons that are just as valid, and I think that's super powerful. Um, also, really small quick aside, I'm actually watching my brother play through the first game again while I'm kind of playing and working in the second one. So um, I'm very very ingrained in this world, uh, and I absolutely love it. I think it's just such powerful storytelling. Mm. What I will mm -hmm. add as well is that there's kind of not throwaway lines or conversations in the first games, but things you could forget that are just blown up in the second game into almost like full scenes. And like the way they've done that, like I've been watching some of the original games uh, scenes after playing the second ones, like the way they've gone back and looked at that script and think, how can we build out from that in certain areas is incredible. I think they've taken a lot from the way they structured Ellie's arc in Left Behind a lot. So mm -hmm. in The Last of Us Part 2, you have, I would say, much darker moments than you ever had in the first game. But I think you also have much higher and just nicer moments than you did in the original as well. I feel like there's a lot more peaks and troughs to Ellie's arc this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the Last of Us is one of those weird games, kind of like the movie Inception. And, and there's a lot of stuff like that where it's like, this doesn't need a sequel, and the sequel has a very big chance of ruining what built what what made the first one so great. And uh, I, I think what helps with Last of Us Two is that they do uh, do a time gap, and so you're not just uh, you're not just it's not like the moment after they're still they were able to build mystery back in there because like now she's got a tattoo, and and now like she's just been through so much in those four years that it's like you're just dropped back into her life and you're like okay cool 
Well, so we had the mystery of her before Last of Us 1, but that's kind of been more or less solved. But now we have this gap of her becoming a grown-up. Uh, I think that's what helps. Uh, kind of, you don't go into this game knowing everything about her. Um, and I think that's what I enjoyed the most. Yeah, yeah. It does a really great job of reintroducing you to this world, especially if you know the first game, but still leaving a lot of questions for you as a player who probably liked the first game, uh, wanting to know more. And I think it does a really great job in how it addresses the questions you have. And also, for me, questions I didn't really think about, um, but then mm. got answered in really great ways. Um, I do want to talk about, obviously, without going too much into spoilers, this is also a, like this is Naughty Dog's biggest game. Uh, it took me about 25 hours to get through. Um, I do want to hear how long it took all of you, but um, Janet, how long did it take? You? <laughs> um, the game told me that I played for 45 hours. Um, so it was a lot. Uh, I did it in a very short amount of time and I'll probably replay <laughs> it again before it comes out. But um, yeah, it was a lot mainly because I went very slowly and like, and that didn't even get me to hundred percent. It Like I got about eight, I did the math. I got about 85% of the collectibles a decent run. Brendan is very much helping me find the ones that I'm missing uh, and helping me document that. But yeah, um, I think a normal slow playthrough, though, my guess is like maybe more of like a 30-35. Like if you're really taking your time and if you have like that completionist heart, but you don't have to write it down, like I my guess would be like 30-35. Yeah, I, I'd say I played through the first half of the game not as meticulous as Janet, only because I know that for a fact we were kind of, you know, typing back and forth. Like how I was like, yeah, I'm already here and I missed everything that you got and stuff like that. But I uh, I'd say the first half was semi meticulous. And then the second half was let's get this done <laughs> because, you know, we have time constraints. And so I uh, I finished at like 24 hours. Uh, I did. I do think I left it on at one point, but I, I would say probably 23, 24 hours, uh, which is way longer than I thought it was going to be when I first started. Yeah, I took 25 as well. I did a similar thing the first two or three chapters. I was really looking for everything, and then the story just took hold of me, and I had to just get on with it and run past all the stalkers as well, and that takes no time. <laughs> I feel like, and I, know, I think we all kind of played it fairly quickly just because like you have more time to then process and like there's benefits to kind of i don't want to say rushing because that's a negative connotation but trying to get through the story and get through the game quickly mm -hmm. to have time to reflect and go back and check out more stuff um but it did feel like play like i played a lot of it over the course of one weekend and it felt like an emotional decathlon like there was just so <laughs> much stuff happening from like i'm afraid i'm sad i'm happy i'm curious i'm like afraid again like it just i, I think it had you know kind of go back to the story without actually giving anything specific or spoilery. I think what I really appreciate in this game is the first one followed very traditional narrative structure. You had, I mean, there, there are a few extra peaks with like what happened with Tess and like, there were a few heights before the, the end, but for the most part, you knew where you started, you knew where you were going to go. And you're like, Oh, I end at, well, can we give spoilers for the first game? Like, I don't We I end where we said we would end. And then, like, something happens, and you're like, okay, that's the, the climax of the story, and the falling action is the, is the epilogue in the first game. Here, um, I, it kind of follows a similar structure, but there's a lot more heights, in my opinion. Like, I felt like there were a lot more moments where I'm like, 
oh my God, well then what happens here? And then like, okay, we, we resolved that. And now we have more drama and it was a lot more compounded. So like I was constantly like the next thing didn't feel like me wanting to rush to the end of the game. I felt like I wanted to rush to the next like section of the story without actually knowing what that section would be. And I think that's what really um, helped drive it, especially it being a, a bit longer and, and larger than the first one um, and helped keep me compelled in the story. Yeah, I did that really typical, uh, I, just real quick, I did that typical thing where I started the game, I'd say I was only a few hours into it, and I text both uh, uh, Janet and Dornbush, and I was like, yeah, the combat's really fun, but this story's not super grabbing me, and Dornbush is just like, okay, well, uh, I'd love to know uh, what you think uh, when you get much further. <laughs> it's one of those. It, it, it kind of has this, like, intentional but weirdly slow burns at the beginning, but you know, it gets there. Yeah. I'd, I'd say you hit a catalyst moment uh, and that's not spoiling anything. That's something Neil mm -hmm. Druckmann has said in a lot of interviews. You hit a catalyst moment and I think from there it really ramps up, but it, I think it, it takes a slow start, but it is intentional. Like you were saying, and I, mm -hmm. I appreciated that in the long run because it gives you time to get a sense of where Joel and Ellie are in their life, uh, introduces you to some of the really great uh, supporting cast. Like it, it gives you a handle on where things are so that once it does take off, you at least have a basis for these new uh, parts of the world that you're exploring. That definitely yeah, it's weird are. Looking. Go ahead. <laughs> they're definitely are slow burn moments, but I'm, I feel that just comes down to personal preference. I personally really mm -hmm. enjoy slow place. So paced even uh, stories, whether that's films or, games like red dead 2 to me is perfectly mm -hmm. paced because i love going very slow but uh yeah there are i feel really like if there are yeah re like basically not moving is my preference <laughs> <laughs> uh, that game. <laughs> yeah if i could go backwards i would um but basically i feel like if there is any minor gripes or negatives people could have with this game or well i don't say people people can have whatever view they want uh if I had it, maybe it suffers slightly from the Uncharted floor, Uncharted 4 bloat a little bit, but I personally thought the pacing was spot on for me. Yeah, I, I could see some people feeling that way like I didn't, but I, I, I do think it survives the Uncharted 4 fatigue much better than Uncharted 4 did um, and finds really creative ways to keep you invested and keep the story expanding in ways that I was grabbed by. but. Yeah, it does feel like it learns a lot from Uncharted uh, for the Lost Legacy, Left Behind, the original game. Like, it does feel to me a lot like the lessons learned from the last decade plus of Naughty Dog storytelling into this game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think, too, like one of my favorite things about the game was, um, and I, I had like a little document where I'd randomly write thoughts as I had them. It's actually hilariously written because it's just my thoughts and it sounds ridiculous. But one thing I wrote that was not uh, like just silly was that uh, I think this game excels in its quietest moments. As much as I love like the horror and the tension and the action, um, the times I felt most moved were in the quiet times. And I think that um, does add obviously to the, the bloatiness of the game in some senses, but I think it, it really earns those moments. Um, the big comparison point, like for other mediums that I noticed uh, would be like, if you've watched Harry Potter and in like the last movie, there's that, or the second to last, one of the Deathly Hallows movies, there's that scene where they're dancing in the tent and they're doing it because it's kind of their last moment of peace. And they're going off into this war where they're not sure if they'll come back or what their future holds. And it's, it's so beautiful in such a dark time. And it's just kind of this breath before you go in to do like the next action. 
And I, I think The Last of Us 2 has a lot of those moments. Uh, and I really appreciate that. Like they, you know, there's a saying that in terms of story building, every tragedy, and if you study Greek tragedies, you know, every tragedy needs, needs a catharsis. And I think this game balances tragedy and catharsis really masterfully. And that's really what made me feel like, oh, like for me in Last of Us 1, my this is different, this is special moment was like hanging upside down by a refrigerator. But in Last of Us 2, my this is special moment would be like walking through a house and like looking at things or like talking to other characters. Kind of like what Cardi said, where these, the, the moment where Joel's point explains ice cream trucks to Ellie is so much bigger in this game than it is not necessarily with those characters, but it's so much bigger in this game than it was in the first. And it really lets you sit and enjoy and appreciate those moments. I feel like it kind of reminded me in that sense of like what Life is Strange does well with storytelling and what narrative games does do well, where you can just sit for as long as you want to sit and look around for as much as you want to before going into the next encounter. And uh, yeah, that just felt incredibly special to me and not something I don't think I think I've ever experienced in a game before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just imagining these Janet notes where it's it's just like Mass Effect. (laughs) She just like she just sees a scene and then in third person, she's like, Janet will remember that. (laughs) <laughs> Janet J- Janet was sad by this. Yeah. I stopped writing after a point, but I will share the document with you. Yeah, it's, please share it's super silly. I'd <laughs> love to see it. That's I really agree funny. that there's nothing like that in games. I think it's no coincidence that it's called Part 2 because for me it sh- shares so much with The Godfather Part 2 and I think mm. Neil Drummond said this before that they yeah. are heavily influenced by the series and I think even from we can say because everyone's allowed to post a picture of it if you wanted. Even from the opening, the first thing you see when you open that game is a still of just a motorboat in a lake or in water, a sea, by a river, wherever it is. And yeah, even it's just it follows the themes of that film quite nicely. And it's just similar to The Godfather Part 2, depending whether you think it's better than one or not. <laughs> it stands at least equal to it. And it's yeah, yeah. It, um, Most of my game time is spent sitting on that scene because I'll like boot the game up and then I'm like answering slacks. And luckily, it's a very like calm, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a very serene but ominous uh, opening mm-hmm. that I think encapsulates the game really well. As Simon was saying, and as we're running a little short on time, I do want to talk about just sort of the um, you know this game is coming at the very tail end of the PS4. We're waiting mm-hmm. as we're recording this. We're waiting to hear and see the first PS5 games in a couple of days. Um, this is, I think, bar none, one of the most beautiful games on the PS4. Okay. Uh, I played on PS4 Pro, um, but I also think not. It's not just beautiful because like they made it more pretty. Like it's not just because it's prettier. It's because of how detailed and specific and. Um, authored every mm-hmm. room every location every bit of this game does feel like purposeful in how it's designed and how it's drawn and comes to life um yeah i would say for sure that they they definitely have some set designers on, on because I, so many times you like you're in like an attic or something like that and you come downstairs and you're like there's nothing about what i'm seeing right now that's an accident it's like the lights coming through the window and it's hitting a coffee table just perfectly and shining on certain items that you can't interact with but like they're just like glowing and and you just see like a little bit of dust and you're just like there's nothing about this that was an accident they knew that i was going to come down and i was going to see this and i feel like that's almost around every corner in this game I think, too, like one thing that really impressed me was, and I don't know if you guys had this experience, but I I would do a lot of uh, stealth as well. And you can lie like totally like prone in like a crawl position. And um, I think 
they show that you have a bow at one point, right? Like that's like yes, what yeah, that has been. Okay. Good. You're good. I was like, oh, shocking, right? <laughs> like, I mean, you had one in the first game, but um, you can actually like weave the camera through the blades of grass. And I did a, I did several of my mm. shots literally looking through blades of grass. Um, or sometimes I would do it without like being able to see anything because um, I have skills like that. But also the game's not that hard to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But it makes it makes you feel like you were like oh. Only I could do this when really it's not that difficult. Um, but I really love that detail and just the ability to do it. I feel like within the tool set they give you, if you think you can do it, you can, which is always a satisfying uh, feeling to have as a player. And I think they did a lot of nice detailing. Like I was, I, I rewatched my footage because I'm kind of transcribing the walkthrough a bit and fleshing it out. And I noticed that there's like this area where it's kind of like a, there's houses or, or motels or whatever. And I have the screen pause there. Like I think I was in photo mode for this. And you can see the fans on the AC units still moving. And I'm like, something, I mean, I, that's not something I noticed while I played, but I think those little tiny details really do, like, enrich my love and appreciation for the game. And I'm sure, you know, everyone goes crazy for photo mode. So I think we'll learn more of those little nice details. Um, and I think as far as what Mark said with the design, one of the things that The Last of Us 2 does really well is sometimes there isn't actually anything there that's scary at all. But, like, there could be. And, like, I think their set design <laughs> and their areas lend themselves and lean into that. I'm like, oh, my God, what's here? You know, it's, oh, it's just the fact that the room is dark. It's suddenly terrifying. And I think most, like, you know, horror buffs will, or will mention that the scariest thing is always the human imagination. It's not what you're seeing on screen or what's happening, but what you feel, that anticipation, that weight, that, like, you're letting you fill in those blanks. And I think through its scenery, The Last of Us 2 lets you fill in those blanks when it needs to, and it's super effective. Mm -hmm. I agree. That said, uh, sorry, I was just going to make a, I was going <laughs> to make a dumb joke. If you have a <laughs> PS4 Pro and you play this game, it's going to sound like a jet engine the entire time. Yeah. I had a base my, PS4, so it was loud. Ooh. Cardi, go uh, ahead. Well, no, going on from audio, I think, uh, yeah, the piece that stands out most presentation-wise to me is, again, the music is just unbelievable. I think the original Last of Us may be my favorite game music. And this time around, they've just they've reused bits, but there's also a lot more electronic elements this time, I think. The mm -hmm. battle music stood out a lot more to me this time. And the way they just kind of use diegetic sound and music as well and weave it in between the actual score this time is just... Like the way they use music without spoiling anything is just there are some some of the standout moments to me in this game is just places where music was playing, not even conversations. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah, that's what stood out to me. Yeah, it's um the the use of sound, like you were saying, both within the world and then also the soundtrack, just I think so perfectly um works off of the storytelling and the the world design and the game design that they have in there and just lifts it up like any great soundtrack can um and really brings us to this so many incredible emotional highs um we're unfortunately running out of time i could keep talking about this game for hours uh any other closing thoughts though as we wrap up uh anything that we didn't get to mention um absolutely no spoilers but the way the game ends ends exactly how the first one left me feeling it's like this is the perfect ending the perfect shot where are they going from here and i don't want another one but at the same time i want so much more <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i only want this only because i feel like the last of us 2 gave me faith that naughty dog can continue to tell stories in this world whether they're continuations or new ones i just 
like I, I just was totally bought into this because I'm like, okay, this is just wonderful. So I try, I now trust you completely to just do whatever you want. Um, and if, and if they don't return to this project, I won't be upset, but I, I think there's definitely potential for them to continue to flesh out the world. Um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't leave me feeling the same way, but I did feel like a certain weight and also like weightlessness. It's like where it's like, Oh my God. But then also like, Oh, it's done. And I finished this. And then I definitely, it was one of the most satisfying credit roles I've had in a long time, just because I'm like, damn, like I saw the, I saw this through. And then just to kind of think back and immediately reflect, I definitely immediately drank after finish, finishing both games. So I don't know if that's just like a last of us thing, but I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's time to get a beer and just like stare at the credits and just like sit with the story. And I think, I think that's a good mark of any high quality game or powerful story. Um, and I definitely agree with Jonathan that it is a 10. I wasn't sure if I would agree when I started playing it. And I was like, oh, uh, you know, this is going to be great and, you know, amazing, you know, nine, right, at least. But I'm like, is, there, is it going to be like a masterpiece? And then like it, it it quickly established itself as that. And I'm like, this is the easiest 10 to give. Like it's not even, it's like not, and that's how a 10 should yeah. be. It should feel like, like there's no doubt. Like if there's doubt, it's not a 10, you know? And I just, I felt that very fairly early on in the game. And uh, I'm looking forward to other people playing it and talking about it in a more spoilery capacity and just getting more... Mm -hmm critical takes on it like i'm really looking forward to this game coming out yeah there was no doubt in my mind to me it's up there with god of war i think god of war for me maybe edges it gameplay wise because that game just feels so good to play but mm -hmm. i think story wise presentation wise writing acting i think it's pretty much level with that if it's hard to say if it's better they're so such different stories to tell but mm -hmm. yeah for me it's up there in the very best of the ps4 games yeah, I know. I would agree. I think it's one of the one of the great games to kind of, you know, swan song a console. Uh, I've had a few people at work like message me and they're like, so how'd you like it? And I'm like, yeah, I, I think it's a 10. This game's amazing. Uh, and it's always that funny thing. They're like, hey, what are we giving it? And I'm like, we're, you know, we gave it a 10. They're like, what would you give it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd give it a 10 <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, it, um... uh, great game. As Janet was saying, it's one of those ones like when you know, you know, and it, it definitely mm -hmm. there was moments I can't talk about, but I knew. Uh, yeah. Yep. I was playing. Um, but we'll obviously be talking about it a lot more, especially once the audience can get their hands on it, because there is so much more. We have like barely scratched the surface when it comes to this game, uh, and we'll have a lot more to talk about in the weeks and months to come. But thank you, Simon. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Janet, for joining me on this episode. It was so great to talk to thank you all about you. this game. Um, I'll go okay. to bed. Yes, please, please sleep. Uh, of course, if you haven't, please go check out uh, my review on IGN.com or the video review on there or YouTube. Uh, Pat Coughlin, our video editor, did a phenomenal job with it, and Mark captured some excellent gruesome b-roll for it so thank you mark for that uh definitely also go check out the guide that'll be happening um once the game is out but uh yep. go check on the work that janet and brendan as she was mentioning are working hard to uh have it ready for launch but uh yeah i think that pretty much wraps us up for episode 649 or 650 we'll find out as the week goes on but uh thank you all so much for listening and or watching this episode uh beyond normally airs wednesdays on beyond.ign.com youtube.com slash ign beyond and your favorite podcast services around the world uh we hope you're safe we hope you're well and as always beyond 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 <laughs>